A week after I find out that I'm homeless, I step off a curb wrong, tear my meniscus in my, in my left knee, and end up with a blood clot. I need a dollar, 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 that's what I need. Hey, hey. So life just got worse. <laughs> and then, then we have heart attacks. So it really was, a, it, it's been an interesting ride. And if I share with you my story, would you share your dollar with me? That's entrepreneur Ken Martin. And this is Sounds from the Street, where we get to meet the men and women who define street sense, DC's nonprofit media center dedicated to creating economic opportunities for people experiencing homelessness. I'm your host, Adam Campy. To say Ken Martin has been through the ringer of life is the understatement of a century. His story is also a testament to the admittedly tired line, it can happen to you. Because what happened to Ken, like what happens to a lot of folks who lose their financial or housing stability, is a case of bad luck. Really bad luck. Blood clots, heart attacks, divorce. Life changes in a heartbeat, and suddenly you're living at National Airport without a safety net. Then what? If you're Ken, you focus on the good, you dig in, and you recalibrate. I sat down with Ken at the Street Sense offices as he shared his backstory, his deep love for jazz, his deep love for hats, and ultimately his deep love for humanity. My name is Ken Martin and I'm at the Church of the Epiphany. One of the things that I, that I say when I'm out there selling is, yes, it's true, it can happen to you. Because it does, it, it can happen to anybody. A lot of people look at me and assume that because I'm homeless that I was some, some poor little uh, derelict alcoholic. Well, yeah, it's true, I am a recovering alcoholic, but that was from 35 years ago. I haven't had any drink for 35 years, so alcohol did not bring me down. I had gone so far as to have four homes and two businesses on K Street at the same time, so I have had money. It's the, but the lack of a support network, a strong support network, a reliable safety net can happen to anybody. When you become ill, if you don't have those things in place, your, your housing is unstable. And if it's unstable, there you go. A paycheck, one month, two months, you're gone. So it can happen to anybody. No, it's like, and it can, that can never be said enough. Well, we need to be a community. You know, that's, that's the bottom line. Community needs to become community. There needs to be unity in our community. I'll start by saying that I was a social services worker for, in Washington, D.C. for over 20 years. Uh, very active in the community, so I had a lot of connections, and I knew people, and I've, and I've talked with a lot of people since I came back to D.C. and suddenly found myself homeless. I went to every agency that I knew to go to, and I'm thinking myself to be resourceful. I could find no help. Eventually, I ended up meeting a gentleman from Sweden who said, you ought to go to Street Sense, and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> Now, here I am, an entrepreneur looking for housing, and you would think that everybody would say, go to Street Sense. And the odd thing about it is all these people who work with the homeless, none of them suggested it. It was a person from Sweden who, who runs an entrepreneurship program that told me to come here. And the sad thing is that I didn't know about it myself, but I had been living in Maryland for a while and then came, then moved to Georgia so I really just was out of touch. What year was this? This was a, a year ago. What were you doing before you found Street Sense? <laughs> Suffering. 
<laughs> um, before I came to the street since I had... It's very Buddhist of you. Well, hey, it wasn't, it wasn't intentional, I promise no, no, no. you. I actually had two heart attacks um, just prior to coming to street since. Wow. Is that what precipitated your homelessness or? In part, yeah, but, but for the most part, no. Uh, I had heart disease and I had some other issues. Unfortunately, the, the woman who I was living with at the time was not prepared for my illnesses. I had to have surgery on, on my legs. I had four surgeries for vein removal and um, she was not mentally equipped to deal with that. She couldn't handle the blood and I didn't know no better than I could, but she couldn't handle the um, that experience very well and, and I understand that now. But it led to my our parting our ways. After that, about a, after being homeless for about a year, I um, found myself in Georgia and getting on my feet and doing rather well. My, I stayed there for well, almost two years. My daughter came visited me twice down there, spent three weeks two times. The second time she, um, she cried the whole time she was down there because she didn't want to come back home. My daughter had selective mutism and she had, um, in her words, no one to talk to. Her brother had been removed from the home. Her father was removed from the home. Her girlfriends were separated from her because they changed her. Her mother changed her school, so she just didn't have anybody anymore. Her mother was involved in another relationship, so the attention was gone. She needed somebody. Dad couldn't keep her down there, so Dad had to come back up here. And um, things didn't work out. My um, buddies, who were going to um, put me up until I got situated, got involved in relationships, and um, the relationships were not having a third wheel, so I ended up on the street. A week after I find out that I'm homeless, I step off a curb wrong, tear my meniscus in my, in my left knee, and end up with a blood clot. So life just got worse. <laughs> and then, then we have heart attacks. So it really was, a, it was, um, it's been an interesting ride. Man. It's been an interesting ride. And there's wow. a book in the works. Okay. Oh, there definitely will be a book on this one. Okay. Been through worse. I'm a survivor. Trying to get a map in my head. Where do you typically sell the paper? My best spot is Tenley Town, CVS at Tenley Town. I sell other places, but that's the best spot. That's that's where I'm recognized. When I first got here, first of all, I was petrified. I had had a paper route when I was 11, but that was a long, 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 long time ago. And I really didn't want to sell newspapers, to be frank with you. But when, when uh, Marcus Lawson from uh, Life Asset suggested this, I was like, yeah, okay, you, you think so? Um, and he told me that I needed to become humble. He says, I realize that homelessness is a, is a humbling experience, but you've had businesses on K Street, and you, now you need to come to terms with not having what you had. I was petrified and I went up there and, and they, some of the guys took me in and under their wing and gave me some tips. And then I met the cat in the hat. And I talked with him, he's, he's a father too. And you mean literally the guy who wears the, the cat in the hat. For those yeah, who hear this who may not know the cat in the hat, a gentleman who, I don't know his name actually, but. Philip, Philip Black, um, top, one of the top sellers. And he's, yeah, he's uh, often over on 11th and F-ish. F, yeah. 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 Um, he and I talked, and he said, you know, what sells is persona. 
people need to know who you are. You need to give them somebody to, to like. And I thought about it and it made good sense to me. So I went to my storage unit and I dusted off a top hat and I put some Christmas lights around it and I created a persona. Put LED lights around my bag that I kept my papers in and I, and I would change up from Jack Frost lights to um, the Christmas tree lights periodically. And I got an awful lot of attention because it, as time changes and when I got up there at night, people looked out and they saw those lights. They were intrigued. They wanted to come over and find out what is going on over there. And I um, engaged them in conversation. And once I do, they buy my papers. That's smart advice, uh, his, the cat in the hat's advice. Okay, I mean, it's applicable to any anything, right? I mean, not necessarily like fake a persona, but like, you know, yeah. just draw people in. Mm-hmm. It's marketing. It's a, yeah, it's marketing. It's a, a hook. Yeah. And do you still do that now? I'm working on something a little bit different now. Um, I'm going to be bringing Lydia to, to work with me. Um, this is the first time I've even announced this, um, but I have a, a wires assistant who's going to be coming out with me. Um, she's the color of, of Street Sense and uh, the Street Sense Neon, and um, I'm working on a, a stand for her with an with an uh, engineer, so we're, we're going to hook this thing up. And she'll have LED lights on her and hopefully smart LEDs at that. She's a work in progress, but um, I'm going to have a, a hook nobody else has. This sounds like, um, like a performance art piece. Kind of, sort of. In fact, I've even toyed with the idea of, of hooking up a, um, a speaker to her and, uh, and having her do her own sales pitch. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, marketing, you, you, was, marketing was a hobby be, of mine. You can just be off doing other things. Let, 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 let the robot. <laughs> if she could make change, I'd <laughs> be in business sure enough. Beyond this persona, this, this, this character and this, this draw that you've created, what is your pitch? You want to hear my pitch? Yeah, because I bet it's good. Get them here, get them now, get them while they're hot. Therefore, rush out the press in the latest edition of Streetsons. New so fresh things, still wet at Streetsons. Changing lives, one paper at a time, written by the homeless with you in mind. It's Streetsons. Streetsons. That's good. I'm a little ham. I, 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 I um, gotta make it fun. And, 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 and like I said, I got, I got some drama experience. I've, I've been a performer. I'm kind of a renaissance guy. I've done a little bit of everything. I got into photography class because I wanted to, um, I'm cheap, bottom line, I'm a cheapskate. I wanted, to, I wanted to do my own photography for my catalog and my website, and I wanted to be good. I, I, I want my stuff to look professional. Yeah. So I figured, what better way to learn how to do professional photography than take a class from a professional photographer? I like to um, play around with the subject. I like to I like to get the subject in different angles, and um, and um, I like to be able to make a picture worth a thousand words. I want it to be interesting, so I try to take shots that I think are interesting. I catch your shots. Um, now I'm not very I'm not very well skilled at, at photography, so like again, ninety percent of it is luck. But I try to I try to position myself and the camera in the right spots and to start shooting and I, I shoot until I get 
enough pictures where I can go through them and, hey, that's pretty good, you know. Consciously, I'm just trying to make the conditions right, and I'm aiming and shooting, and I'm hoping for the best. I got a rose. I was walking down 18th Street Northwest, and there's a ratty little yard that had a rose bush on it, but it had a rose. It was just beginning to open, and that was the most beautiful thing, and I just stood there, and I just took shots of it from different angles because that thing was just breathtaking to me. I'm into horticulture. That's that's my hobby, um, far more so than I am into um, photography. In fact, I I take a lot of pictures of a lot of flowers. That particular rose was just a thing of beauty, and um, I was really fortunate to be there, and that was like a an aha thing for me because I was devout and determined I was going to get all the best shots I could get from that little thing because I knew that would never happen again. And, and speaking of workshops, which ones are you participating in? I actually co-facilitate the face group on Fridays. I participate with the interactive art. And, and could you briefly, what is face? Face is um, focused on, on achievement, commitment to excellence. Um, and it's, a, it's an advocacy. It's advocacy and self-empowerment group. It's to get the vendors better sales, to develop a mindset of self-empowerment, self-determination, get them out of just being street sense vendors, and, but to, um, to self-actualize. And that's run by vendors, right? I mean, that's like launched and, and managed and... Strictly by vendors. Yeah. And what, what's a good day for you selling the paper? And I don't just mean economically. Uh... A good day is when I get to engage with people. I don't have to make money when I'm selling a paper. A lot of times I make money when I don't expect to. A good day for me is when, when I, I get some students, a group of students, and they want to kick it for a minute. Or, or um, when I get um, somebody who, um, who wants to talk about something other than just homelessness. I, I've had... Some, some very good days out there um, that had absolutely nothing to do with me making a paper sale. In fact, a lot of times I'll just give people the paper. People will come up to me and tell me that they, they only have a dollar, um, and I'll just give them the paper, or they'll they say, well, I don't have any money today. I can't get a paper. I'll take the paper and pay it forward. If you, don't, if you don't see me, give it to one of the other vendors. It's okay. People will say, here's a dollar. I don't want the paper. No, I'll tell you what. You keep the dollar and take the paper because I don't want the paper. I want somebody to read what's in the paper. I don't need the dollar that much. The dollar will help me, but it's not gonna help me that much. It's only a dollar. Take the paper. There's a lot of good content in this paper. It's a great newspaper. It really is. That's, that's why there's 13,000 people reading it. Another one of my little pictures is that um, 13,000 people can't be wrong. I, I say that I, I, because I firmly believe that it, if 13,000 people buy it, at least 10,000 read it. I just want them to read it and discuss it, and that's what I push when I sell. What do you want people to know about you that they wouldn't necessarily glean from reading the paper, or what do you like to do when you're not selling the paper? The crusader in me, my ultimate goal is to create a, a foundation for children with dyslexia and selective mutism and other disadvantaged youth, but mainly those because they don't have a voice. So that's one of my one of my goals as far as the things that I do to entertain myself. 
I love jazz, old movies. Um, in fact, I collect it. I collect music. A, a, a homeless guy with a music collection. I, I have a serious music collection in storage. Um, I can't wait to get it out of there. Stuff I haven't even touched. Something stuff I haven't even seen in over ten years. What's like your go-to music? I mean, it sounds like there's a lot. Oh, go to but like, is there a if you could pick out like an album or two that you just like Jones into here? Anything Crusaders. Anything Jazz Crusaders. I love the Jazz Crusaders. They, they, I was raised in a household where they listened to Ellington and Basie and Fitzgerald and Sinatra and all of those. But when I turned 13, I heard the Jazz Crusaders. And after that, they were my group. And they have always been my group. Anything by any one of those members. And, and Hubert Laws, who, who originally played with them, that type of music moves me. Those guys, Grover Washington Jr. is one of my favorites. When he died, I, a major part of me died. I was stunned to hear that this man died. I've seen him perform and I know whew, there has never been a more energetic performer ever. Of course, I grew up in the Motown era, so the Temptations were my, they were my idols. In fact, my cousins and I, we had a couple of singing groups that um, we patterned ourselves after them. Four Tops, um, Smokey Robinson, The Miracles, those were my groups. And a few local groups like the Unifics, for, for example, the Choice Four. DC had some, some bad musicians come out of this place, the Young Senators. We had, we had some uh, excellent performers in this town. I like George Benson, but I like Earl Clue more. Something about the Chet Atkins thing I hit that he's got because um, I, I grew up listening to I love the theme of Bonanza and and he did too and, and it just it, you, you you relate that whenever you hear him so I, I love that then there's Jerry Butler um, hell of a musician hell of a singer this guy could without a microphone his voice could be heard two blocks away awesome guy and a nice guy you know, that's, that's the beauty of working in hat stores. You meet people. I've met some great, some great folks, you know, over the years. Paul Newman, um, yeah, I sold a hat to Paul Newman for Joanne Woodard. That was big time. That was major. You've mentioned the hat thing, and I was going to bring that up. Yeah, can you just kind of give us a little bit of the backstory of how you fell into this love for hats? I mean, a man who has an email with Hatman. <laughs> as part of the name? Uh, that, was, that became a nickname over the years. Um, I've been selling hats for, for almost 20 years now. Quite by accident, my lady friend, who I'm still seeing, we used to meet at Union Station. One of her clients, because she's a beautician, one of her clients worked in this hat store, so we would meet up over there and we would just stop and talk to her friend. One day she said, you know, you ought to work here. I mean, you like hats so much, you should come on in here and work with us. So. I said, why not? And I went in part-time, and, and um, I stayed there part-time for, for about two months, and then I was offered the uh, co-manager job. I had already had a love for hats. I've been wearing hats since I was a teenager. I learned how to hand-block hats when I was a kid because we couldn't afford them. So if you couldn't afford it and you wanted a new look, you had to change the style of your hat. My folks were not buying hats like that. So I, we knew how to do that, so we did it by hand. Um, wet newspaper and a lot of sunshine. Sometimes we, you know, fan that helped to dry it, but I um, learned how to do that by hand. And um, when I worked there, 
it was an awesome experience being in there in, in Union Station. A lot of people came from a lot of places, so you met people. And one of the people that I met was Paul Newman, Tom Brokaw, Tim Russert, Dougie Doug, um, Michael Collier, and a lot of people. And so what is it about hats? What is the attraction? Can you explain? Uh, is, that, is that definable? One, their protection. There's a certain comfort level that, that I or anyone else should have being protected from the elements. So that's, um, that's significant. The other thing is the image. The hats complete the image. A well-dressed man in a nice suit with a nice necktie, his hat appropriately placed on his head, looks good. Um, it's the finishing touch, it's the crowning glory. Ladies likewise, they call them crowns, and queens, queens should wear crowns. I think it's just wise and, and, um, and it accentuates the beauty, you know? So I, 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 I think that everyone should, should at least try to wear hats. And, see, and, that, and that's the other thing. People make the mistake of thinking that you wear hats and you don't wear hats. You work hats. That's why people say that, oh, I, I put on a hat. I don't look good in hats. I don't wear hats. Well, you don't wear hats. That's true because you, that's not what's done with hats. You have to manipulate a hat just like you would anything else. If you want to get the best out of it, you have to work with it. Do you have a, a story about a, a relationship that you've developed out of bending the paper with somebody that's like really notable? Uh, or another way to ask that is like, has anything ever happened that, in a good way or a bad way that really surprised you that was unexpected? A guy came up to me one day. I was just finishing up. came over to me and, and, and asked me who I was and, and how long I'd been out there and what I was, what I needed. He said, um, God put it on me to give you something. What can I do for you? I really don't know. I wasn't thinking about it. I, don't, I, don't, I can't think of anything I really need. Uh, I need housing, but you can't do that. So I, don't, I can't really think of anything. I'm, he said, well, I'm going in the CBS. Is there something I can get you out of the CBS? I said, no, not really. Um, I wasn't thirsty. I just couldn't think of anything. And, and he put me on the spot. And it happens a lot of times. People ask you, you know, I'm, I'm going in CBS. Can I get you something? Uh, or is there anything that you need? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, unless there's like, a, yeah, like I, mean, oh, I need Band-Aids or yeah, something yeah. like really I mean, specific. I just wasn't thinking about it. So I, so um, he said, well, I'm going to CBS. Think about it when I come back, maybe, you know. So he came back out and I, 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 um, I said, um, you know what? My daughter needs a trans, and, and I knew this was something you weren't going to be able to do. I said, my daughter needs a transparent cellophane-styled backpack for school because they they want to have see-through bags for these children to prevent weapons from getting into school. He said, I'm going to the container store. I'll see what I can do. I stood around there, and, and I really I was trying to leave, so I stayed around there, and I'm, I may have had maybe five or six papers left, so I sold them, and I'm standing around there, and I'm waiting and waiting, and the guy comes back, and he's got this big box. So he says, um, they didn't have, no, it was that and cane tips. I needed a tip for my cane, because I was on a cane at the time. So he went to Ace Hardware and he got these cane tips, and the cane tips was, was like big enough to put an elephant's foot in. So 
So I'm like, well, they they won't work. So you can take those back. And then he says, well, they didn't have a they didn't have a cellophane backpack. So I got you this. And I looked at the thing, and lo and behold, this man had gotten me a, a suitcase, a piece of visionary luggage that sells for 176 bucks. I was stunned. He's like, God said, give you this here. I said, I can't accept this. He's like, you don't, you don't have no say in the matter. This is between me and God. You, you have to take this. And he said, you can buck against me, but you're not going to buck against God, are you? Wow. Well, we know I can't do that. I'm a very spiritual individual. Um, I was flabbergasted. And I accepted it. And we've become good friends as a result of that. So we'll, we'll since then, we put it that way. And we see each other every every week or two. He comes through there and, and we're talking. He, he'll buy a paper maybe once once every other month or so. He'll come by and he'll buy a paper and he'll give me 50 bucks. He'll do that. Uh, he's in a position where he can and, and, um, and he just says, look, it's not from me, it's from him. He has it like that. That's my, um, my special customer. That was entrepreneur and haberdasher extraordinaire, Ken Martin. Keep an eye and an ear out for updates on Ken's planned pop-up hat shop in DC, Brims. The man will show you how to wear a hat, I promise. To hear more sounds from the street, check out streetsense.org backslash audio. You can also find us on SoundCloud or Stitcher. And soon enough, you'll be able to find us on iTunes. Please keep the conversation going on Facebook and Twitter at StreetSense DC. The Sounds from the Street theme song, I Need a Dollar, How to Make It in America, performed by Aloe Black from the album Good Things, used courtesy of Stone's Throw Records. The song was composed by Aloe Black, written with Leon Michaels, Nick Moshan, and Jeff Dynamite, used by permission of Songs of Cobalt Music Publishing, EMI Blackwood Music, slash Sony ATV. Excerpt of History of an Apology, composed and performed by Paul Rucker, from the album History of an Apology, used courtesy of Paul Rucker. And excerpts of the following, used courtesy of Creative Commons, and found on WFMU's Free Music Archive. Elephant, Raindrops, and Cocktail Hour, composed and performed by Adam Seltzer from his album Production Music. Excerpts of Vittoro by Blue Dot Sessions from the album Aeronaut. And excerpts of End Death and Instagram, composed and performed by Jonathan Hadel. My name is Ken Martin, and you're listening to Sounds from the Street. <laughs>